You've entered the Prosperity Dimension. A dimension of sci-fi adventure. A dimension of small biz excitement. A dimension where Nicole Fendi shows you how to build your profits and have a swashbuckling good time. And now, here's Nicole Fendi. Welcome back to the Prosperity Dimension. I'm your host, Nicole Fendi. Today we have a person without whom the Prosperity Dimension would not exist. And I'm talking about the developmental editor and really one of the driving forces behind the book, Monette Satterfield. Monette is a creative professional whose background includes science, business, and art. Perfect for the Prosperity Dimension. That gives her a unique point of view on the creative process and how to use it to produce concrete results. She's a widely published freelance writer, author of three books, her own three books, and a licensed certified public accountant, as well as a member of the Florida Watercolor Society. The heart of her work is grounded in her belief in that creativity resides in everyone. Monette, welcome to the show. Wow, thanks. You know, hearing you say it, it feels really good. And I didn't realize that I had such a hand in the creation of an entire universe, the prosperity dimension. Oh my God, you did. And in fact, let's start there. So this was a later question, but we're going to start with it. <laughs> Is the book really, it truly would have never been born without your guidance. I remember, this was a couple years ago now, I have another book, which, you know, Monette also was helpful in creating, How to Be a Finance Rockstar. And that book is a business book with a fun perspective, you know, the rockstar perspective. I was feeling the urge to create another book, which for those of you that have not written a book yet, I will warn you, you may become like me. And once you've had one, they're potato chips and you can't stop. <laughs> so Monette and I were talking, you and I were talking and you mm -hmm. had said, well, I said, maybe I should just like revamp it or update it or whatever. <laughs> and you said, Nicole, you can do so much more. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've got this creative thing and that creative thing. And I am a creative numbers person. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what's next. And that's when you stepped hmm. in and helped me frame it. Ah, I remember some, it was more than one conversation yes. is what I remember. Yes. It was really more of a process, which I think <laughs> is important to remember. Because as I recall, I think at that time, I was still trying to convince you that you were a writer. Yes, I think as you well were. As well as other things that, you know, <laughs> you had a hard time at first, even accepting the idea that you were a writer. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first book started to help you get over that. But I remember thinking when we were talking about that, and you were really wanting to just rework the first book. And my thought was, well, that's just playing small. Mm. And there's no sense in that. And I don't know if I actually said those words to you, but that's what I thought. It's like, don't play small. You're better than that. Mm. You may have at some point, I know I needed a lot of nudging. And you're right. It took me a long time to say, I am a writer. Now mm -hmm. I can say that, and I feel that very strongly. At the time, I said, ah, you know, well, kind of. I wrote a book, but that doesn't make me a writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and the, the truth is some people, it doesn't make them a writer. But I think in your case, what made you a writer was the fact that you wanted to write another one. Mm. Because writing a book is hard, as you discovered, and it's really hard. And to want to do another one, that makes you a writer. 
And as we went through it, so first Monette pushed me and she probably, obviously this had a much stronger impression on me because it was my process and my creation. She pushed me first, don't play small. And you may have said that at one point, certainly if you didn't say those words, you said something similar. That was Uh, the message that I was getting across. Yes. Yes. And, but then it was, what if I don't do another book like that, what Mm. do I do? And that was when that you have this ability, and I want to help people understand it, of framing. Because it's almost, it's very, I think it's a very unique hybrid of your business and artistic Mm -hmm. skills come together to frame issues. Yeah, I've been thinking about that since we, because we obviously we talk regularly and we've talked about that framing and I've thought a little bit about it. I think it's because I have a pretty broad base of experience. And most of it has required creativity of one sort or another. So I have an insight into the creative process. So it isn't if it's a book or if it's a piece of art or if it's a product or a website, whatever. I mean, the fact is, it's still a process. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to go through it relatively in the steps. And being able to see other people's process, I think, is something that I'm able to do. And then perhaps reflect it back to you and show you, well, this is where you're at in the process. This is how to go to the next step. Mm. When you're stuck at the beginning, for example, well, (laughs) that's normal. And this is what, this is the kind of things you do to work through that stage to get to the next stage. And what would you say a lot of, I think, especially artists, as a numbers person, I embrace the idea there's a process like, yeah, Mm -hmm. good. Okay, I'm moving somewhere somehow. (laughs) Now for our more creative listeners who aren't as comfortable, I can Mm -hmm. almost hear them saying, I'm a creative person. I'm artistic. (laughs) I don't have a process. How would you respond Uh, to that? (laughs) Well, you know what? Think of it then perhaps, if not, if a process is a little bit too strong of a word, if it sounds a little bit too rigid or too regimented, perhaps it's a map. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it could be a map. It can be an exploration. Mm. Because the creative process, which is what we tend to call it, that's what you see that everywhere, but it's not always linear. And I think we can call it a process all we want, but it doesn't necessarily go in a straight line. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why... Some people balk at the idea of being told, well, you have this process you have to adhere to. It's like, well, no, you don't have to adhere to it, but you're going to go through it, whether you call it a process or an exploration or a journey or Mm -hmm. following a map. It's pretty much how creative things are made. I did a graphic for it a while back. I remember that. I was going to ask. Yeah. I send you the link for that if you want to put that up. Awesome. It's, a, it's on my website. I think it's the creative process in four not necessarily easy steps. <laughs> well, <laughs> and one of them, if I'm recalling correctly, is almost more of like a fulmination or it's a baking period. I'm trying to think of a better word. I think I might have called it the black box of creativity. Yes, that's it, which I love, you know, the black box mm-hmm. of creativity. And it's not clear because no one can be sure how long you're in that piece. No, and that part is the part that I think is truly, truly important to creativity. And it's the one that people want to rush every single time. It's like Mm. you can't rush it. Mm -hmm. It can't be rushed. And here it is. The creative process in four understandable, but not necessarily easy steps is what I called it. Wonderful. And we will make sure that we put that in the show notes. And that's on your shinydesigns.com website? That is correct. Great. And yeah, I think what I called it, let me look at the page. 
and I'm going to add in here as she's looking that the idea of a black box, this really helped me because as a more process oriented person, I felt like, well, okay, I'm done with this step. Why isn't the next step happening right now? Why am I not, why is this not going forward? You know, there were periods when I was working on my book, the second book, which is a science fiction book and a business book. Okay, not mm-hmm. to complicate things anyway. And <laughs> I would get my hit times where nothing seemed to be happening. And I would get right. very frustrated. Incubation. That's a good word. I like alliteration. I think anyone who's seen much of my writing, especially on my website, I really like alliterative terms. And I used four I words for those four steps. Mm. And incubation is the one I use. But I did call it the black box of creativity. It's where you're musing, you're pondering, your subconscious is really working mm-hmm. on something. And you maybe aren't even really aware of how much things are being put together in different ways and things are falling apart. And this is where you need to let it alone. Get away from it. Go out, go get some coffee, take a walk, take a run, you know, take a weekend off, take a break. Because it's the one, it's a stage you can't force. As I recall, that was some of the problem, I think, that, you know, you wanted it now, now, now. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, that's totally me. <laughs> and that is, I think, one of the, the magic of the creative process is you can't rush it and it just mm-hmm. sort of happens. And the more people do it, though, the easier it gets. So now here's a question, because on the flip side, that makes sense to me. And I'm guessing that the creative people listening are going, okay, she's allowed for this period. It's not, I'm not a robot, right? We don't expect people to be robots and we expect meanderings and exploration. Mm -hmm. However, in working, and so one of the reasons why I say Monat was so important for the listeners, for you to know, is that she kept me moving forward and helped me when I would get frustrated, but kept me moving forward. Now, if someone's not working with a coach, because there comes a point, I believe, if you're not working with a coach, that you've got to get out of the black box. Mm -hmm. How do you know when it's time to push? Well, that goes down past to the last step, which is where the real work comes in. (laughs) Okay, and and share with everyone what that is. It's the implementation stage. Mm -hmm. You've had a great idea, and suddenly it's there, and it's shining, and it's beautiful. Because, you know, let's face it, the ideas are great when you have them. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with them. You're in love with them. So that's when you take them to that next step, which is the implementation part where you start to evaluate ideas and you start to build them up into the real world, whether it's a book and you start writing a draft or it's a painting and you do your first sketches or it's a website and you get your first draft up there. That's where you start implementing and that's where you're spending a lot of your effort, frankly, your real labor, because it takes time to do these things. And to do them well. And the problem with this stage, and this is where I think people really start to fall out of it and get frustrated and and go, well, I'm just not creative. It's like, well, you've already had the idea. You're creative. But what happens at implementation is it gets really frustrating because that's where you find that beautiful idea. It's not so beautiful when you start to implement it. It's got problems. (laughs) And And as you and I have talked, all first drafts are crap. Exactly. They just are. Your first draft unless you have in some way been working it in your head, will have a lot of flaws. Mm -hmm. And I find people tend to get so frustrated and so, so discouraged at that stage that they just, that's where a lot of people just quit. They go, oh, well, it'll just never be anything. I'm not creative. And that's not true. Really creative people, they work through that. And on my chart, which is downloadable, as a matter of fact, I have arrows pointing back to the previous stages at that stage because that's what happens. 
is you've got that first draft or that first sketch and you're looking at it going, well, that's not what I had in mind and that's not really very pretty at all. You go back Mm -hmm. and you cycle through again. Right. And it's a tremendous cycle. It's not linear. That's what I mean. It's not linear at all. But I think when people don't realize that they're going to have to go through this a couple times, iteration, another I word, I think that's where they get really frustrated and just give up. And the key to this is realizing it's normal to have to go back and rework and refine. I cannot emphasize that enough and how liberating it was (laughs) to hear your first draft will be crap. Because, no, really, I mean, or as I've heard other people call it word vomit or, you know, I mean, (laughs) the fact that it's okay the first time you do it, it's not perfection. No, if it is perfection, I would be a little suspicious. And I know there are people who produce works early initially that are very close to the finished work. I also think that they're doing a lot of these previous steps, perhaps in their head before they actually produce. I mean, I know some people who work that way. I don't think you work that way unless you've been doing it for a long time, though, to get really good at it. Right. And the idea that as any way you want to use creativity, whether it's in your personal life or as a professional artist or as a business person who wants to bring creativity in to accept the messiness of it, mm-hmm. which was hard for me. Ah. <laughs> well, I wanted my first draft to be pretty, not ugly or, you know, crap or whatever. <laughs> and looking back, you wouldn't have wanted to read just my first draft. I mean, uh, you know. No, no. (laughs) And can I insert something here about first drafts that it's not on my process, but I think for people who are, you know, venturing into doing creative things, especially if they're uncertain or just getting started, is, and this is something I know you and I've talked about, is be careful who you show your Mm. first drafts and first works and first anythings to, because While I won't ascribe maliciousness to a lot of people, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about how this works. And I think people can be unduly harsh on first drafts. So you want to choose who you show them to, to be people who understand that, okay, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be polished. And to people who can see the value in it instead of all the flaws, because it's just another way to shortcut yourself out of this process completely by showing it to someone who's going to go, wow, that doesn't look very good. I thought you were a writer. I mean, don't set yourself up for that. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up, Monette, because, you know, when I was first starting We had to have this discussion because I did do a little Mm -hmm. bit of that and then realized, okay, you know, I need to be careful with where this is going. And I agree. I don't think the intentions were anything other than trying to give honest feedback, but with a lack of appreciation of where you are in the process. And some people may never be able to have that appreciation and they're much better off when you're ready for a beta reader or Mm -hmm. maybe a review. And by beta reader, just so our listeners know, is once you have a draft that's truly ready for someone to read, not just, okay, here are some things I've thrown down on paper. When it's been through an edit and it's been through some of the reworking, you know, you Mm -hmm. may have reworked it once or twice already, then you may get a beta reader involved. For me, I had one very early reader and that was, and I've talked about her on the show before, and that's Tori Doe. She's welcomed in my acknowledgments as the book doula. Whereas Monette did the developmental work with me and kept me moving. Tori was able to give me the other support and read the book, understanding where I was in the process right. and give feedback appropriate for where I was in the process. 
Right. And I would point out that Tori is an advanced creative person herself. Yes. So she understands that process as well. So, yeah, I'm just saying I I just really hate to see people show. And I know there's enthusiasm. You're happy and you're excited and you show it to your friends or your significant other or someone who and then you get what is essentially crushing criticism. Yeah, that is probably unfounded Mm -hmm. or at the very least unnecessary. Mm hmm. So I just be very careful about that. And I don't think that's being selfish. I think that is being protective of the work. And this is something that was surprising to me because coming out of a numbers background, I'm not used to feeling strong emotional attachment to my work, mm. right? I'm not used to, I'm used to going, okay, those are the numbers. I, you know, what do you want me to do about them? That's They're numbers. They, you add them up, you subtract them. They're still numbers. And mm-hmm. going from that perspective to I created this. You know, and I went through this with my first book and I went through it again this time, but I was a little more prepared for it. It's a very different feeling because it's something you've created and Mm -hmm. it's in some ways, yes, it's still, it is what it is, but it's much harder to create that emotional distance. It is. And that is something that, you know, creative people deal with it to varying degrees of success. Really. I mean, some people, I do know some lovely creative people who just really never share their work because they just, they can't divorce themselves from it. And that's okay. You know what? That is okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But just know that if you want to have a wider audience for your creative work, at some point, you're going to have to learn how to put it out there and let it stand on its own. And that's a separate thing that comes at the end of the creative process after you've actually finished it, there's kind of a stepping away that you have to do. And it doesn't happen overnight. Yep. No, it doesn't. And one thing, because this is something Tori and I had talked about, is she said, almost imagine it's like, because I'm a sci-fi fan, like a force shield and that you let things, you know, it, you've, it's protecting you and it. And then you let whatever it is that you've created out, but you keep the force shield around yourself. That's an excellent way to think about it because it's however you do, but that is a great way to do it is that it goes out there on its own now. Yes. And anything you do, another example even can be speaking when you speak to a group as a professional speaker or an idea for a new product or service. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still your creation and you will have an emotional attachment to it. You just will. I mean, you have to learn how to, basically, it's like a kid. You know, you raise it, Mm -hmm. and then you have to let it go off and neither stand or fall on its own. That's right. Yeah, and like I said, it it takes varying degrees of difficulty. Some of it depends on the work itself. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are occasionally, there are works that someone can produce, whether, you know, it's a a piece of art or a piece of writing, even a website or a business. Oh, Mm -hmm. I've seen that before in my Mm -hmm. life as a CPA. People couldn't let their businesses go. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at some point, you know, you either decide I can, I'm going to do this, it can now go, or I can't. So, Right. right. So and one last comment on this, and I want to move mm-hmm. on, is also be clear about who your audience is. So I just came back from Gen Con, mm-hmm. four best days in gaming, right? And I am working on a business game. There was an evening where you could do testing, and I brought the game. And it's not really a game in the traditional sense. It's more of an educational tool. And you could test each other's things that they've created. You know, I've been through this enough and I don't have a strong emotional attachment to it. But some people are like, well, this doesn't really appeal to me as a gamer. And I realized I'd forgotten Mm. to set it up as who is the market? Like, who is this for and what is its purpose? 
Mm-hmm. And once I did that, the same person who was not afraid in a good way was not afraid to give me that feedback. I appreciated their honesty. It was coming from the right place. It was not meant in a mean way at all. I said, okay, but this is the market. And they said, oh, that changes things. Ah. It was, mm-hmm. and they said, and it was an important piece of information <clears throat> I had not shared when I was first putting it outside my force field. So, I would encourage people to think about who is that market, and you can show it to people outside that market, but tell them who the market is. Right, and know that their reaction, which in a related sense is to know that their reaction, take it with a grain of salt. If it isn't positive, remember, they're not the market. Exactly, exactly. Now, speaking of Gen Con, because, and Monette teased me, so you're hearing it the same time I'm hearing it. Monette teased me as we caught up after I came back from Gen Con before this interview. And I said, you know, people were asking me, are you going to write a sequel to the Prosperity (laughs) Dimension? (laughs) Which Monette had also asked me about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she said, I have some thoughts about this, but you have to wait for the interview to hear them. So it's the interview, and now I want to hear them. (laughs) Okay, well, you asked me. In this case, because your first book, my answer revolves around the idea of alter egos. Mm. Because that's something that you're doing with your books, Mm -hmm. is you're taking on an alter ego, which, Mm -hmm. and I know we've talked about this, that to some degree, you are who you're writing. You put yeah. some part of yourself in your books. I mean, even a very small part. And, you know, your first book, The Finance Rockstar Book, that was one portion of your personality. Yep. The second book, Brenna Rain, is also a portion of your personality. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed about this one is she's a much larger portion of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have rock star characteristics, but bounty hunter starship captain <laughs> is much, much closer to your core personality. Mm-hmm. And I notice it just it resonates with you in a way that the rock star book really, you know, the rock star personality, I should say, really did. Right. Right. So that's why. And the fact is, the prosperity dimension, you've created an entire universe. There's right. plenty of room in there to explore. Right. And that was my thoughts on the prosperity dimension and Brenna Rain. I said, I don't think you're done with her yet. Mm-hmm. So I would think a sequel would be almost a natural progression, though I'm not sure what learning or educational type angle you might take with it. But, you know, that can be run through the creative process hopper and see what comes out. (laughs) I've got this little black box (laughs) and I'm rubbing my hands together gleefully as I say that. (laughs) I thought that you've been thinking about this. I would be surprised if you weren't, or at least if your subconscious hasn't been working on it for a while now. Yes, I actually have been in my subconscious. It's interesting. This whole idea of a black box and the subconscious, I really encourage people to actually ask your subconscious to think about something. I know that sounds a little odd, but it works. I'd like to expand on that just a little bit. Yes, yes, please do. Um, You know, you and I, in our talks, I very often ask you to get your journal out or get Mm -hmm. your art journal out and work in that. I'm a big believer. I'm an artist and I'm a writer and I'm a big believer in journaling. And I don't do it every day, but I'm a big believer in using it as a tool. And I think that as a tool, it does exactly that Mm -hmm. in some way. Now, you don't even have to ask directly, but you can. You can ask it right there on the page if you want to. Mm -hmm. But I think that journaling, whether you're writing or you're making pictures or you're doodling or you're doing collages, it really doesn't matter. I think the concept of journaling accesses 
your subconscious in a way that says it's okay to process this and to have those answers come out. Yes. And speaking of that, we'll get into in a minute because you might be wondering, what is an art journal? Let's tackle that. Before I met Monette, I didn't know what an art journal was, (laughs) and I certainly didn't have one. (laughs) So, Monette, give the listeners just a quick overview. What do you mean when you say an art journal? Well, you know, it's a little harder to say what it is. I can tell you it's not any one particular format. Well, that's okay. Say what it isn't then. Yeah, say what it isn't. It's a place where you, in a written form, and it doesn't have to be a book. It could be, I mean, when you think journal, you think, oh, that's a little spiral bound notebook or whatever. Well, it could be that, but it could also be a pile of index cards. It could be loose letter sheets. It could be whatever piece of paper you pick up when you have a thought, whether it's a napkin or a piece of scratch paper or whatever. It can be anything like that where you're recording your own thoughts, your own ideas, It's personal is what it is. And it it doesn't even need to be written. It could be writing. It could be pictures. It can be doodles. It can be pretty much anything you want it to be. I mean, I know that sounds like it's such a large category. Most people settle on some type of notebook and some type of writing implement. Mm -hmm. And many of them are combinations of sketches, doodles, actual narrative writing, Mm -hmm. and Pictures, collages, collages glued in. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add to this because when Monette introduced me to the idea, again, what I find is, Monette, you're very good at the permission opening. We don't even realize some of the constraints Mm. we put on ourselves until someone reminds us it's there and says, take it off. Mm. And you do that really well. Oh, thank you. Really well. The thing that's so powerful about it is, I don't consider myself someone who puts a lot of, I'm not afraid to not conform, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Yet there were times I was putting constraints on myself and I didn't even see it. Oh. One of them was around journaling, one thing. And we're going to also, we have a great free ebook for you that Mm -hmm. that Monette did. We're going to tell you about that in a second that you guys can download and start doing this yourself. One thing that Monette reminded me is that you can do art for the sake of or be creative or play or doodle and you never have to show anyone and it doesn't need a purpose. Right. I love playing with seed beads and beading and making things with that. But I always felt like it had to be perfect. It had to have a purpose. I had to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And the idea of creating an art journal was it allowed me to start playing with that again and not feeling like I ever had to show anybody or it even had to look good. And that is exactly, so you just defined what an art journal or artist's <laughs> journal is there better than I did because well. it, that's exactly what it is. It's for your own exploration and expression. And it doesn't have to be anything pretty or this or that or what other people think. It is literally not for other people. Now, what Monette has done is she's created an art journal FAQ ebook. Mm-hmm. That you can get. This will also be in the show notes, but I'm going to say it out. It's shinydesigns.com is her website. Shinydesigns.com forward slash free hyphen art hyphen journal hyphen ebook, which is why we also have it in the show notes. <laughs> I could have made that a better link, didn't I? <laughs> it's okay. We have it in the show notes. Go And you can also just go to shinydesigns.com. You can drop Monette an email or talk to her on social media. It's a very freeing experience. And by doing that, we'll also include, we'll get the link and we'll include the link for her writing about the creative roadmap, I'm going to call it, or map or 
journey because that's also very powerful. And as an artist, you will see it. It allows for the artistic experience. And as a business person, you will see there is a process and it's messy and that's okay. So it does the best. There is a process. It's not just magic. Absolutely. I really want to add this part because I think Mm -hmm. people, again, when they fall out of the process and they get discouraged, creativity is a skill. It is a skill. It is not an inborn magic Mm -hmm. thing that some of us were gifted with and others weren't. It's a skill. The more you use it, the better you get at it. Mm. Some people just, for whatever reason, use it more early on so that by the time, you know, they get farther along in life, Mm -hmm. it's just come so naturally to them. They don't realize. Right. But it's It's a learned skill. It's a muscle. Mm-hmm. Flex the it muscle. Is. Use the muscle, the, your creativity muscle. I love it. Well, Monette, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show and for all of the wonderful things you've shared with me today as everyone else and over <laughs> the course of the years we've known each other. And I think that's a great way to end it is you have this creative skill that you just need to flex and practice. Right. Everyone is creative. Thank you. Everyone is creative. You can visit the show notes. Her website is shinydesigns.com. Again, Monette Satterfield, shinydesigns.com. All the links will be in the show notes. Monette, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Nicole. It's been great. And I'm your host, Nicole Fendi. This is the Prosperity Dimension. Until next week, you can find us at scifibiz.com, scifibiz.com. Download a free chapter, sign up, join the adventure. Don't miss out on any of the excitement or profits to be had.